Hello and welcome to In Defense of a Movie Podcast, and it is finally time to celebrate American mm. Thanksgiving in the only <laughs> way we know how, by talking about Thanksgiving from 2009. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. so we, we have a jam-packed, great episode today, um, because not only did we get a chance to talk about the movie, but we got yeah. a chance to sit down and talk with the director and co-writer, Jordan Downey, um, in a conversation and so we're going to have that later in the episode and yeah we're so excited um <laughs> aaron how you doing man i am good i'm so excited to talk about this movie what would you call it aaron? i guess it's a comedy hey it's kind of like a horror comedy does that yeah does that work yeah horror comedy about a yeah. homicidal turkey <laughs> <laughs> so um this movie was uh written by jordan downey and kevin stewart yeah. um it cost about $3,500 to make, mm-hmm. and I think it was shot in something like 11 days. Yeah. There's an audience score of 42% on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. So naturally, we have come to its defense to celebrate mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> naturally. So before we go anywhere, there is no like Thanksgiving number two. Correct. Like it just it just jumps to three. Like they do that. They do the whole like troll two thing, right? Well, there is a troll one, but it's like completely different. Yeah, yeah. It might as well. Okay. It might as well be its own thing. Yeah. Um, have you seen this before? So I have not seen it before, but I had lots of friends uh, just tell me about the movie and how it was so messed up and so weird. And so I kind of had this like image of this movie built up in my head. But um, yeah, what about you? Have you seen it? Yeah, same thing. I'd heard tons about it over the years. Um, obviously, being movie buffs, you and I have intentionally sat mm-hmm. through a lot of so bad it's good movies and, you know, yeah. uh, terrible films and, you know, the Sharknados and stuff like that. So I had I had heard a lot about this, but also I had gotten this film confused in my mind with uh, this fake Eli Roth trailer um, called Thanksgiving that he had made for, like, one of those Grindhouse movies. This holiday season, prepare the stuff I'm scared out of you. Thanksgiving. So oh, okay. the two things like merged in my mind. So by the time I sat down yeah. to watch it, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron, this movie brings up an interesting conversation that we haven't really had yet on the podcast. Okay. I want to ask you a question. What makes a movie so bad that it's good? Oh, um... Oh boy, I think uh, that's a tough one because you watch this movie and you're like, I think the dialogue for me, which was just over the top bad. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that everybody's kind of just hamming it up, right? Very. And then, and then I think the the humor, like I I knew this movie was gonna be messed up, right? Yeah. But. The thing was, is it, it it just kept shocking me, and I kept being like, "Oh, <laughs> like what the heck? Like, like this whole this whole entire movie is a WTF moment." Like wa- watching the entire movie, right? Yes. But when you have a movie that has like you know whatever WTF moment in the in the in the beginning of the movie, and then it, it like keeps escalating throughout the movie, and it keeps getting like crazier and like over the top and even more wild, I think that's like what makes like something so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. What about Aquaman? That movie <laughs> is so bad it's good. Where does like Hobo with a Shotgun and like Turbo Kid and those kind of movies fall? So 
I interpret those as kind of like um, like B movies. Okay, because wouldn't this technically be a B movie though? Um, I, I think when we talk about so bad it's good, it's more about the um, the execution of it. Because you can have like mm-hmm. a gritty B movie that still holds up and and kicks ass. Yeah, you know. If you think about a movie like, for instance, have you seen Mandy? Not yet. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. So I think oh, a lot God, of I want to see it. It's incredible. I think a lot of people might put that in the category of like B movie, like late night. Yeah. You're watching something that you're not supposed to. Like it, Mandy would be the kind of movie that you like stayed up late after your parents went to bed and watched. But it's mm. not a, so bad. It's a good movie. It's actually a good movie. But um, I think it has like that B movie quality to it in terms of okay, yeah. If that makes sense at all. Yeah. So, Aaron, um, yes. what did you think of Thanksgiving? Um, overall, I thought it was fun. I was laughing throughout the entire movie. And like I said, I kept being like, oh, my gosh. Like, I would, um, I would like, visibly be, like, gasp <laughs> yeah. over some of the stuff that would happen in this movie just because it was that insane. Yeah. Um, I, I was a fan of the dialogue because it just reminded me of being a uh, kid and, like, when, you know, you know when you're a, you're a kid and you start swearing in front of your friends, yeah, and you're like, oh, I'm cool, and I like said the f word and stuff, and it like makes you feel all bad, yeah. I like that that feeling. Um, I feel like that this movie gave me that feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So how would you de- how would you describe the plot of this thing? Okay, so this oh man, this is a, what a wild <laughs> plot this is. Um, I like. <laughs> It's like there's not a there's not a whole ton to the plot. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's just it's just crazy. But what happens in the movie is there is a turkey that's been alive for like how many thousands of years has it been? Like eight hundred years or something? Like oh yeah, that? something. Yeah, something like that. And um, <laughs> I guess is it every Thanksgiving it comes alive and like kills someone? Yeah. And uh, so this like so this group of uh, I don't know uh, what college students teenagers I'm not sure somewhere right around there anyways in age yeah yeah um, head out to the uh, mountains to you know do some camping hang out drink do whatever college kids high school kids do and Back then. Uh, yeah and then uh, one of them tells the story about these uh, this killer turkey. And uh, they all get incredibly spooked by it. And yeah, apparently, um, it's really scary. Yeah, yeah like it's super terrifying. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so so they all get really really scared from it. And then eventually, the turkey comes and uh, starts murdering them all. The end. No, <laughs> the yeah. the uh, the turkey's been. Uh, it's been basically protected from coming back to life by like this little totem that's stuck in the ground oh yeah okay until uh that hermit's dog goes and pisses on it (laughs) (laughs) and uh the dog becomes the first victim of the turkey's wrath Mm. um yeah man it's such a it's a compact little movie obviously it's 70 minutes long it doesn't waste any time it really cooks along what'd you think of the character design for the turkey I liked it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I going into this movie, mm-hmm. I had no idea that the turkey talked. Yeah, me neither. No clue. And, and so when it started talking, I like 
bursted out laughing and was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I like, I'm so happy it, it talked. So the movie that I had in my head was that it was, um, for some reason, shots of like real turkeys uh, and it was multiple turkeys attacking people. Oh, cool! And, and that, and that's what I thought this movie was, and that like somehow a like gaggle of turkeys or whatever you call it, <laughs> a group of turkeys, were just on the loose murdering people. I had no idea it had this um, backstory that uh, this turkey ex- turkey existed for so long, and uh, that it was going to come and like murder people. So when I saw the design for the turkey, I like. I, I was just like, this is way better than anything that I could have ever thought up. And so, yeah, I was a, I was a fan of it. Yeah, I really want to defend the creature design. I think I think b- like before um, before I jump into defending, um, I want to focus on the fact that this was made for three thousand five hundred dollars, and it is mm-hmm. it is very much got that, like that student film quality to it. Yeah. But it does have a cult following, and uh, it is fairly well known as far as I understand. So. Yeah. Um, the the moving forward with all the defensive stuff we're going to talk about, I just wanted to qualify that most of this is based on the shoestring production uh, element of this film. So mm-hmm. that being said, I think the character design is is really funny. Like it's really well done in terms of what it is. Like if you're gonna make a a killer monster turkey, I can't imagine it actually being much better than what they did here. No. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they they uh, they subvert it and they break the fourth wall. But th- there's a, there's this sequence where um where they go to the house and the turkey has killed the dad and is wearing the dad's face as a mask. Oh, uh, oh, who is that? Kristen's dad. Kristen. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> so so the kids go to the house and the the turkey answers the door wearing the dad's mm-hmm. face. Yeah. But like the turkey, you know, it's still a turkey. It's literally just wearing yeah. like the little bit of skin as the mask. But all the actors, like like they act as if that's enough to fool them. Yeah. The longer the movie goes, the more unhinged it gets, and the more it seems like everyone's kind of just losing their minds, <laughs> like yeah. in front of and behind the camera. <laughs> yeah. It's it starts out Aaron with <laughs> such an energy to it. Yeah. Um the the opening shot of this film is a pair of breasts and it is yeah. <laughs> this naked pilgrim lady um which according to IMDb they shot in a public park without a filming license. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, I, re- I read that before I watched the movie, and I was like, big deal. <laughs> now I see why <laughs> it's a big deal. It starts out fairly sedate. You have the college or yeah. high school set up, you know, yeah, Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. Um, our American friends will have to chime in here. I, do, do people really get that excited about Thanksgiving break? Because <laughs> mm. I, I think people who are going to the woods to party get excited about any break, so they can go do that in the woods. Billy just tears off his shirt like he's so stoked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish I was that excited about anything. One of these days in my life, I will rip my shirt off in anticipation. I'm pretty sure I've seen you do that, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> 
the the ensemble cast in this film um is delightful but kind of yeah it, it kind of makes no sense why they would all be friends and hanging out together yeah i was thinking the exact same thing because <laughs> i i was like okay this i feel like this is a common theme in movies is where you get this like ragtag bunch of people together and for some reason they're all hanging out but in real life like these people would never be caught dead like seen with each other Johnny, who's like the the jock, Johnny the jock. Yeah. He's he's like uh, he doesn't seem like he would be caught dead with any, with any of them. Hey, no, no, he seems like he'd be too busy throwing a football over a mountain or something. Yeah. So there's this cool like utopian society that this movie paints, where every uh, everybody hangs out and there's no def- you know there's no mm-hmm. walls between people of social status. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to defend the cast because the cast, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's all just a bunch of friends. I don't think, I don't think any of them has really mo- gone on to do any other acting. I know one of the, one of the cast members is in a band and provided music for the film. So that's pretty rad too. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the energy in this film, especially at the start is so fun. Aaron, there's so much creativity in this film. Any of the the negative reviews I saw for it, they were saying like, oh, nothing new here. It's just a bunch of college kids getting killed in the woods or whatever. But yeah, there is actually a lot of originality here and a lot mm-hmm. of good ideas. And and uh, so I want to defend like the, the creativity behind it, because like making a Thanksgiving turkey into a killer, mm-hmm. it, it just sounds hard to do. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like they pulled it off pretty well here. Sorry, I started I started thinking about that uh, tire movie. Have you ever seen that one? No, no. Or is it I can't remember if it's called tire or rubber, but it's like a wheel, it's just like an actual rubber wheel of like a car tire that attacks people. <laughs> and for some reason, whenever you said like it's tough to make a turkey um like a, a villain, I start I flash back to that movie because I remember thinking like, how do you make like a tire a villainous thing that kills people? Okay, I got a quick challenge for you that just popped in my head as you said that. Okay. I want you to pitch me a movie. It's mm-hmm. about a blank, but it murders people. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's a uh, talking pie. It <laughs> 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 murders people. A talking pie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, now you tell me what. Uh, it's about a... Uh, it's about a talking Walmart that, but it murders people. <laughs> you go in, people go in, and they never they come never out. They never come out. <laughs> and the whole thing's shot in a Walmart in 10 days. <laughs> oh, and I hope it's a Walmart in Florida. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> At one point in time, it floods and alligators start swimming around in it. You probably could just go to Walmart in Florida and just start filming, and then you would have a movie. You'd come out with, like, six hours of film. (laughs) How do I cut this together? So are there any movies uh, that are, like, kind of similar to this that you would kind of want to recommend to people? Or what Mm. are your favorite uh, So Bad It's Good movies? My my reigning champ of So Bad It's Good, uh, I think, Mm -hmm. will always be Troll 2. Yeah. Uh, It's just... Just from start to finish, it's just so wildly entertaining and and sincere, and yeah, everyone's trying their hardest. (laughs) And I have such fond memories of watching it with you, and you know, like friends and everyone. Just upon repeated viewings, I just find new things to laugh about and like about it. So, Troll Two's King. Um, 
obviously the room, uh, Birdemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, what was that one you were mentioning to me? That uh, rubber? Si- or t- si- si- oh, Simon says and rubber or, or tire. I can't remember. <laughs> it's either called rubber or tire. I can't remember which one it is. But Simon yeah. says is is good from like a horror perspective. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, there's like, it's it's kind of probably pretty similar to this movie, but just obviously with a bit of a bigger budget and a yeah. little bit more polished. Um, but yeah, tire or rubber, I should, I'll... I'll yeah, that that movie is just kind of like WTF because <laughs> it's just a tire that rolls around murdering people. And yeah. so if you if you want to it's like you need to watch it just to see how you can make a movie about a tire that murders people. Yeah. Yeah, so what I really liked about this movie um was that it made me feel like I could make a movie. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. that's so, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like and it's it's really encouraging to see something like this as well that someone someone put out um you know with the budget being uh what did you say 3 3500 roughly around there. Yeah. And uh like it's something that we would all have to you know shell out a little bit more money than we would want to but like we could you could technically make a movie and if you have smart writing behind it which i feel like these guys uh nailed the dialogue nailed the like wtf <laughs> is going on in this movie and if you can write a movie smart enough i like you could you could have similar success and that's that's what i really enjoyed because like i started thinking about like what some scenarios or um what's like a character that i could write about that would be just as messed up and like and would work into a uh, like a funny movie right right um other than that like uh i you know what say like the acting is supposed to be bad but i thought like everybody seemed to be like gelling well yeah i also like um in the beginning of the show, show whenever they're like getting in the Jeep and driving away. And um, you don't have, like usually when you're watching a movie, the character like develops throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, they just like described each, each like each one of themselves in the beginning while they're in the Jeep. And like um, the girl who's like a little bit of a hoe, they're like, you're a hoe. And, like, and then uh, the girl who was like a little bit of a goody tissue, they're like, you're a prune or whatever, you know? And uh, yeah, and so so I, I just really like it because it was um, straightforward with the characters. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was it was cut and clean, you know? Yeah, I, and I agree. Yeah, and so so it's not like it's not focusing on uh, develop like character development, but it's just focusing on on mayhem. Yeah, totally. It's trying to go as over the top as you possibly can with three thousand dollars in eleven yeah. days. Yeah, I love what you said about like the motivational quality behind this, where it's encouraging. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're an aspiring filmmaker. Um, I feel like you should watch this film. Mm-hmm. There's this YouTube video I watched just a couple weeks ago. It's called The Toolbox Fallacy. And okay. essentially what The Toolbox Fallacy talks about is how a lot of creatives wait around to have the right equipment in order to jump on their creative project. Like They kind of make excuses mm-hmm. for why they haven't started yet. Yeah. And, but if you're an aspiring filmmaker... And you have like a mobile phone and some time on your hands. You have no excuse to be not making movies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that like this movie didn't wait around for the right effects budget. It didn't wait around for the right actors. It didn't wait mm-hmm. around. You know, th- this was just from the minds of a few people who were like, "Dude, let's make a monster film that's like so bad it's mm-hmm. good." And they went out yeah. and they did it. They didn't even wait for permits. They just shot wherever they could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I I totally defend that and I 100% agree. Like there is a inspirational quality to this film. Um and I don't think it's subtext. I really believe like if you're a student filmmaker and you want to see like how a cult following can come about, mm-hmm. this film should definitely be on your list at some point in time. Yeah. Um I I I started we should we should try making a movie one day, Dan and, and- this has inspired me to do it. Yeah, man, because like we've we've made short films in the past. Um, yeah, <laughs> which will remain hidden for now. But um, <laughs> but this totally felt like it was in the same vein of that kind of energy we used to talk about. Yeah, you know? just like grab like uh, five of your best friends and go out and make a movie. Pay them with pizza, man. Just go and do it. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have five friends, Dan and I will somehow substituted heck yeah and yeah yeah if you don't have five friends just look at the cast of this film because i don't know if they are all friends in real life <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so with that being said yeah let's talk hollywood remake of thanks killing yes so we're talking like 2020 2021 release yeah, yeah, yeah. all right well all right. the day and day and age of uh remakes going on here and and so why why couldn't we get a fun remake of thanksgiving we could yeah why not yeah sure what would it take what would it take for this to be successful in your mind in like a hollywood setting well i think you have to i think it comes down to the casting Mm-hmm. You need to attach some people to this movie that people kind of trust and would follow anywhere they go, kind of thing. Um, because the premise is so silly and risque, you need some star power behind it. Mm-hmm. How about you? What do you yeah. think? Um, I think the okay. How do you how do you make a movie um, with a bigger budget but give you the same feeling as this movie with that had with like a lower budget? Like how do you how do you create that like it's so bad it's good um, when you're getting quality actors oh, and I like see. quality people? Like you know what I, you know what I mean? It's called Hansel and Gretel with Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I that think that movie is that's a fun. It, it's yeah. It I, is a fun. Movie. I feel like that would be very similar in tone to what this would end up being, but. Um, okay. I, I think I think if you were doing the Hollywood remake, it it wouldn't be so bad. It's good. Like they would they would. Yeah. Um, I don't think he can do so bad. It's so good on a on a high budget. I think he in terms of this concept, I think you would have to yeah. make it feel more like a rampage style film where it's like bomb, okay. bombastic and ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, yeah. I would I would get behind that. And then yeah, the other thing, like you said, would definitely be the casting. Yeah. So. <laughs> who would you do you have anyone in mind like who yeah. would you pick as a casting for this for this uh for this remake so i've given this a lot of thought aaron okay and uh i mean i like i i uh i went down to the lab the scientific lab and i ran some yeah. algorithms and here's what i came okay. up with um, okay. now my my version of this film uh they're not teenagers they're adults um yeah because we need to bring the star power okay Okay. So Billy would be played by Jack Black. Jack Black. Okay, yeah. Johnny the Jock would be played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> okay. Darren would be played by Kevin Hart. 
Yeah, so sweet. Yeah, okay, yeah. Awesome. And Kristen would be played by Karen Gillen. <laughs> okay. I just gave you the Jumanji cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you totally did. And Allie would be played by Aubrey Plaza. Okay, yeah. That's like a, a really good casting. <laughs> so here. it's basically Man. it's basically just the Jumanji cast with Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> maybe uh maybe The Rock will hear this podcast and be like, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> like make it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be a dream coach you. A billion dollars later. Um, Aaron, what's your fan casting for this? Okay. So um sorry, jo- Billy is the big guy, right? Yep. Okay, so I I had I had trouble finding a character for him, um, so I drew a blank for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say Chris Farley, but obviously oh, just because yeah. I watched like a Chris Farley like clip the other day on Instagram that I sent to you, and I was like, he he would be absolutely perfect. Dude, for that can role. you can you imagine that the grown up style cast facing Thanksgiving the the, the turkey? Like you have Chris Farley yeah. and Adam Sandler and Chris Rock and David Spade going up against the yeah. turkey. <laughs> oh man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I could actually see that working. To be honest, for a lot of people. Um, so I so for my fan casting because obviously these kids are kind of younger, and I tried to go with like uh, a relatively young cast. Yeah. Um. So I had uh, I had some Family Channel stars and stuff, and so <laughs> I think her name is Debbie Ryan. She was in that like Jesse show on uh, on uh, Family Channel. Yeah, and so I would pick her as Kristen, mm-hmm. um, and then I was gonna go with a Miley Cyrus as uh, as um, Allie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Zach Efron as uh, what's his name? Like the Johnny. John, oh Johnny. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, and uh, and Michael Sarah as the uh, the nerdy <laughs> guy there, Darren. Yeah, <laughs> and so like, okay. yeah, I thought that was like a pretty funny funny cast. With, yeah, like, it, because it would be a combination of kind of like it's kind of a hodgepodge of actors. Yeah, and and so I feel like they would like it would just the the dam the dynamics of the group would be all over the place, and so I think I feel like it would make a bit of chaos. Totally. And what's your revisioning of the plot? Is it is it the hor- oh. the horde of turkeys you were talking about? No, no, no. I, I like this. Like I said, what they did in this movie was way better than I could ever imagine. And so I would definitely kind of try try to stay a little true to the actual turkey. Yeah. Uh, maybe I would make him like six feet tall for some That's reason. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. And I like, feel like the stature of him had to be bigger. Yeah. I w- maybe I would like get the rock as the turkey, <laughs> and he would just be like wearing a turkey costume and have these huge massive arms With and just the, raising like, the eyebrow around and like yeah, like murdering people and stuff. Uh, just like something really weird and kind of like over the top. Like, Daddy's got to go to work. Gobble gobble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that would be my uh, fan casting there. Okay, who would you cast as the voice of the turkey? Because that's a pretty important role. Oh, Vin Diesel. <laughs> yes! Yes! 100% Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man, how would that work? The Rock playing the turkey and then Vin Diesel voicing. Oh, he would not like that. No, but they wouldn't even, we wouldn't even tell them. They would just find out at the premiere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man! For me, I would go. I would probably kind of go lighthearted, like kind of 
you know, kind of stay true to the like WTF. Yeah. Um, would you try to make this like super serious and kind of have like a dark tone to it? You know what? I think it would be really funny to try doing that. Um, yeah. What I, I I would try I would do the dark tone, but in a in a way that's mm-hmm. meant to be funny. Yeah. Where it's like it's shot dark. You know, it's it's shot with that tonality. But when you watch it, you can't help but laugh your ass off at how silly the premise is. I think for me, my WTF moment was uh, the turkey tries to like hitchhike a ride with. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, the guy pulls over and is like, oh, "Ask yeah. cash your grass," and he's like, "Oh, I don't have any cash <laughs> or grass. I guess it's ass." And then he's like, and then this guy likes the guy in the car starts like taking his pats off, and I was I had so many questions at this point. Yeah, because I'm like, does he does he try to pick up turkeys like generally? Is this new for him? Has he done this before? Why is he trying to have sex with turkeys? This doesn't make any sense to me. Why does but, a talking turkey not uh, ask any questions? You know, like he's just like, oh yeah, right on, let's go for it. Yeah, it's like, and then gets in. Yeah. Oh man. So this is really exciting for us. This is this is a first for mm-hmm. our podcast. When when we started out uh, releasing these. Um, in uh, just this last summer, um, I had no idea that we would get the chance to actually speak yeah. with one of the directors of one of the films we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, lo and behold, we have we have uh, we gotten the chance to sit down and chat with Jordan Downey over Skype, and yeah. um, it was a great conversation. Um, he's a he's a really great guy, and um, it's just so cool seeing the trajectory uh, mm-hmm. his films have taken. So. Um, yeah, we just want to intro that conversation right now, and um, we hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you on the other side. The conversation's about 40 minutes long, and we get into some amazing stuff such as character creation and um, advice for uh, up-and-coming yeah. filmmakers. So we'll see yeah. you on the other side of that, and we'll talk to you then. So we are delighted and honored to be joined by the co-writer and director of Thanks Killing, Thanks Killing 3, and most recently, The Headhunter, Mr. Jordan Downey. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for being on it. Yeah, thank you so much to, for your time, man. We are we are really stoked to talk with you about Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm always happy to talk about it. And like I said, you know, we had a great time making it. Uh, and then beyond, you know, making the first movie, then the sequel and the musical and just all the the crazy interactions with with people on the internet <laughs> or fans, you know, at screenings mm-hmm. over the years. So it's been it's been a huge part of my life and that you know we made it at such when we were so young that mm-hmm. uh that it's just been a really important you know part of the last 10 years that uh you know yeah i'm happy to sit here and talk with you guys about it so yeah, you know, fire away so so when you were conceptualizing thanks killing you guys basically sat down and said let's make a so bad it's good movie yeah exactly we were well so we were a little backstory. We were in college still at the time, Kevin and I, we were mm-hmm. juniors at Loyola Marymount university. So we were mm-hmm. 20 or 19 when I'm not quite sure when we started actually writing it, but 19 or 20 years old. And basically we were making short films and we just had the, the idea of, well, what if we went out in this summer, borrowed some of the school's equipment and went and made a feature film instead of a bunch of shorts. And we loved the challenge, the idea of doing it. And there was a blockbuster before they all went under that was across <laughs> the street from our apartment. So we would always go over there and rent the ginger dead man or, you know, the more recent <laughs> stuff, but then go back and watch. I grew up loving Jack Frost and Leprechaun and uncle Sam and all mm-hmm. the, you know, the schlocky 
uh, horror movies, especially the holiday ones. I was always drawn to those. So (laughs) that's a little backstory on where we were and kind of some of our interests. And then once we had the idea to make a feature, we immediately gravitated towards doing doing a a so bad it's good schlocky horror movie Mm -hmm. just because, one, we were really into that kind of stuff and watching a lot of that at the time. Um, We were also, you know, obsessed with South Park and Family Guy (laughs) and, you know, just any of that kind of like raunchy, ridiculous humor. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so we that was basically that we weren't going to consider ever making a drama or anything else. And we're both huge horror fans. So once we had the idea to go make this schlocky horror film for whatever money we could scrape together on a credit card or, you know, saving up a little bit, then we started thinking about the holidays and we were like, well, okay, really Easter and Thanksgiving are the only ones that had never been done. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were really surprised actually that, that nobody had done either of which. So, but Thanksgiving, was just more appealing because we liked the turkey as a villain more than <laughs> yeah. and Easter Bunny as the villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, to be honest, I mean, it came together really quick. Like I can, I still have a very vivid, you know, memory of us in the kitchen of our crappy little apartment and talking about this horror movie, this Thanksgiving horror movie, and that we were going to call it Thanksgiving, and then it would have a killer <laughs> turkey, and he would say "gobble gobble motherfucker," <laughs> and literally. <laughs> All of that before we even had a story or anything, uh, any kind of a plan. But we knew the title and we knew that it would be a talking villain and that he would, you know, swear and it would be R-rated and and absolutely ridiculous. Um, But yeah, that's a long way of saying that, yes, the goal from (laughs) the start was always, we were always aiming for that tone. So Turkey talked right from the beginning, right from the conceptualization. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was... We wouldn't have wanted to do it otherwise, just because because we loved Chucky and we loved Freddy and the one-liners that those villains would have and, and like, yeah. you know, Leprechaun and Jack Frost. And like, so it just didn't, if you're going to have a, a killer turkey, there's no way you're going to take that seriously. So just go all out with it and, and actually have him, you know, saying lines and make them as ridiculous as possible. Yeah. Uh, can you can you take us through the process of of the creature design for Turkey? Um, I'd read some stuff on uh, IMDb a little bit about the design, but I kind of wanted to hear your take on it. How you guys actually built that puppet? Yeah, well, it, so we had the script and the plan, and then Kevin went to go work on a movie for the summer for like a month or two, and uh, to save up a little bit of money so that we could help pay for the for Thanksgiving. And I stayed back and I had done a bunch of, you know, growing up, I was just always, like I was saying, a, a big horror fan and mm-hmm. making short films at a young age and always, you know, really into Halloween. So I was always kind of experimenting with um, makeup and clay and prosthetics and special effects. And when I got to college, then I kind of became the resident horror guy that would do like prosthetics and blood gags for all the student films. <laughs> and for oh, one awesome. of the projects i had to make like a a lake monster head it was actually for one of my student films and after doing that i had a bunch of leftover clay yeah and in latex and i had you know the plaster to make the mold and everything so i i had the supplies to build the turkey and it was always just going to be planned as let's sculpt and create a hand puppet basically because you know we also Mm -hmm. loved the jim henson movies and just the puppetry like it needed to not only did the turkey need to 
sound ridiculous, but it needed to look equally ridiculous in cheap. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I had the supplies, so it really didn't cost hardly anything to make it. And then I sculpted it in my bathroom uh, at yeah. that time, the, our apartment bathroom, because because you know, it's really messy. You drip all the, the plaster and stuff, and then it hardens to the carpet. So I was always kind of like ruining the furniture doing these things at, at our apartment. <laughs> and so I sculpted it in the bathroom so that I could easily sort of wipe the clay off of the, the, the linoleum or the countertop. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to Home Depot and bought like a two-by-four piece of wood and then a, a PVC pipe that was like about the diameter of my wrist and that basically kind of became the like skeleton of the turkey and there's some cool pictures of this that you can find online with like a a wire mesh of its face and then i just sculpted it in clay after that but awesome it it was all based on a sketch i did that was pretty much inspired from like a uh, because a real turkey doesn't really look all that threatening or cool it just didn't (laughs) didn't feel like a, a movie character a real turkey doesn't with its you know, I've since come to know all the turkey lingo and the snood, which is the the <laughs> yeah, little floppy. <laughs> I had to become a turkey expert there for a little while. Yeah, but. Did, I was going to say, did you have to do a bunch of uh, field research and visit turkey farms? And <laughs> yeah, well, not that accurate, but uh, a couple of Google searches at least. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but like I was saying, the real turkeys aren't really all that cool or scary looking, and so. The idea was kind of to like make it look like a vulture more than mm-hmm. an actual turkey, but still bird-like with a beak. But mm-hmm. to give it, you know, these evil downward slanted eyes. And then at some point too, it came. I saw a picture of uh, one of the Skeksis from Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. and kind of then really based it around that, like a vulture meets a Skeksis kind of Jim Henson puppet. Oh, I can definitely see that. Yeah, and that's. And that's how that was made. And then, yeah, so I, we, you know, made it all, made it all by hand for the head. And then the body was a hunting decoy, like those sort of foam turkeys you'd find that, you know, that you'd put out to target practice with if you're a hunter. And so that was the body and the head went over my wrist. And then my arm went up through the body of this foam turkey decoy. Yeah. And then we took a bunch of feathers that we just bought on eBay, real turkey feathers, and just kind of like poked them into the foam body. So that kind of shaped the feathers around it. And, yeah. then, and then also on eBay, we bought a tailspan and uh, the tail feathers from a real turkey and then kind of like jammed that onto the back. And, and that's all it was. It was probably literally a total of $200. <laughs> that's oh, <wow>. amazing. <laughs> Do you still have it? Yes, not the body. We have the head. Uh, oh, okay. The head is intact. Well, because the body, if you remember from the movie, gets burned. Yeah, it got, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so that body, we had a few bodies, I think, and like kind of a stunt body that we would like throw around. And then there was the radioactive version and those yeah. ones all got burnt. So the only, yeah. the only surviving uh, part of the puppet is the original head. And that's, and the, yeah, I still have that and that's in pretty good shape, but it's kind of starting to fall apart a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I imagine another few years, it's not going to look very good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get it like framed and preserved and like hang it all over your mantle. <laughs> I, know, I know i've been thinking about well not the mantle part but the, the uh 
just the bread, the preserving it and, you know, yeah, yeah. some sort of a case or something. Cause it, one thing that I, I really screwed up on with the design of it is I was sculpting this thing so that it would look really cool, but I wasn't really thinking about the fact that this had to go over your arm. And right. yeah. so I was just making it look good and not really actually like measuring my arm or wrist or worrying about that. So it ended up coming out kind of small and it was really tight. It was hard to get on. So I had to basically lather up my lube up my arm with lotion <laughs> to be able to get the puppet head on and off. Yeah. Um, so it kind of got all these like stretch marks on it and it really kind of took a, a beating uh, throughout the shoot. So we just had that one um, hero head. The eyes were always falling out. and Oh, no. It was, uh, you know, it was a whole thing. But it was one head for the entire shoot? Well, one hero head. And then there was there was the radioactive. It was like, because once you sculpt it, then you can just pour infinite amounts of latex through that same mold and pull out as many copies as you want. Mm-hmm. And then the hero head was the, the basically the best copy that came out. They had the least imperfections and little, you know, rivets mm-hmm. in the latex. Um, and that one then got the best paint job and, uh, the best eyes and all that. But so there was maybe two or three other copies that didn't look very good. You wouldn't have, they were never used in a close up. Um, they were just for like throwing around or stand-ins for lighting or, or like mm-hmm. I said, to burn at the end of the movie. Taking all the physical abuse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the. <laughs> annoying thing about these you know creature features and and puppets and special effects is like they just take such a beating and you can't you know can't hold back once the cameras are rolling like you've got to really move around with them or you know bang into an actor with them or whatever the scene's doing and (laughs) and things are always falling apart the little teeth in the turkey there's all kinds of continuity problems with it because there were these little tiny Mm. tiny teeth in its mouth which they don't really have teeth, but it looked evil, so we just did. Oh yeah, it looked great. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I love the teeth in the character design. Oh, nice. Okay, good. So you noticed it then. So there's some. Oh yeah, there's there and others where they're not. There's something about a teethy a toothy beak that uh, is so <laughs> unique. It's, you don't really forget that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's funny. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the basics of like how we came up with the look of the turkey and then also then went ahead and how we actually made it. Yeah. So so, uh, so is it true that that this was shot in 11 days? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay. There's a small asterisk to that. We, the main like 90% of the movie was shot in 11 days. And then we ran out of time and we had to get on our flights and go back to school because we were shooting this during summer break. Uh, August 11th so yeah you know school starts up right around like August 20th or something usually so it was right around then we had to come back to Los Angeles and then in the fall we flew back to Ohio where I'm from and where we filmed Thanksgiving and then we shot for a few more days so it's probably a total of 14 days (laughs) but most, most of it was 11. Oh man, that's wild. So the entire time uh, in between the two shoots, were you coming up with new ideas or was it like, was it, uh, did it evolve at all in between that time? Uh, I don't think so because I think it was for the most part, just, it wasn't really reshoots. It was just shooting the final, um, burning scene. And I don't 
like with the bonfire where they throw it on the fire and they say, mm-hmm. well done. And I don't remember why we didn't, why we couldn't shoot that at the time. I don't know if we just ran out of time or if Lindsay, the actor had to, she wasn't available or, or what it was. I don't remember exactly, but basically it was, yeah, we weren't really coming up with anything new. It was more just, you know, getting the final footage that we needed to complete the script. Yeah. That's awesome. So watching this, I kind of imagined the cast and crew getting a little bit like loopier and loopier as the, as the shoot went on. Is there any truth in that? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's exactly the truth. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was exhausting. I mean, you know, this kind of ties into the 11 day thing, but it, yeah, we got really loopy. We didn't take a day off. You know, we just worked 11 days straight and, uh, and very, very little sleep because we would, <laughs> we had to do so much. So, you know, the, the cast would come and go and depending on whose scenes it were, they would have a day or two off every now and then, but it was mm-hmm. long hours just because even though it was a short script, it's a short movie. It's like 67 minutes or something. Um, yeah. so it wasn't, you know, that many pages to shoot, but we still had to cram in a lot. Um, and it was a lot of stuff at night, which is exhausting. So it was tiring. And yeah, and we did get really, really loopy as things went on. Like for instance, that scene where the Turkey answers the door wearing the, yeah. with the face and <laughs> yeah. takes the hat off and says, you got a haircut. And yeah, that like you can see the actors that are there at the door like laughing and like kind of breaking the fourth wall pretty much because you can tell they're mm-hmm. in on it and that is yep. genuine loopiness i mean i was i was puppeteering the turkey the whole time and i remember like kevin and i were in tears laughing at this and <laughs> yeah that shot when it pulls the head the hat off and you see it's kind of bald little head like i we yeah. there was a lot of bloopers i think on that um that scene had me rolling on the yeah. floor. Like it was so funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we were we were rolling on the floor literally making so yeah. It, it, and there so, was there was the speaking of the loopy thing, there was there was the beer that they were drinking at the campfire when they first pull over to camp for the night, the first night. And they that was real beer, but it was just something gross. I don't remember what it was. It was Natty Ice or something, you know, just cheap <laughs> that we bought and hid the logos. But yeah. we had that cooler of beer kind of with us because that was our craft service cooler. So there was like Coke and Gatorade and then also beer in this cooler with us for the whole shoot. And I remember at some point we were just out and it was, I don't even remember, four in the morning. And I, I cracked open a beer and was just drinking it and started feeling like nauseous and like we were all laughing and it was just like it was that specific moment that i realized that we were like all over the hill as far as like any sanity left um (laughs) (laughs) while making this so it but it was a lot of fun too i mean we were laughing a lot uh oh yeah yeah so it it if it looks like it was fun to make, it was. Um, yeah, that's it. That translates so much. Like the first thing you notice while watching this is mm-hmm. like these guys are having a blast making this. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. were, and we were, you know, we didn't, we didn't know any better, and we had nothing to, you know, really worry about career-wise or anything because it's just like we're making a joke movie that mm-hmm. we were, we were honestly pretty much willing to never release it or never even edit it if it didn't come out good or if we thought it was like so bad but in a way that was not going to really work um right so we were just 
yeah, we really was kind of no strings attached. We were just having fun and, and, and improvising and throwing in, you know, whatever ridiculous ideas we had. Um, <laughs> there was nothing holding us back. We had no one to answer to, and we're just all wearing gym shorts and sweatpants, uh, and the whole casting crew, everyone was just having fun. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's probably a big reason why it has caught on and found a little bit of an audience. Because I think, yeah, like you guys are saying, that people feel that. Yeah, there's yeah. a sincerity oh, yeah. to it that is, uh, it's kind of hard to come by with these kind of films. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, I mean, you kind of feel like a lot of times they're, they're maybe like they were setting out to make something more serious and scary. And at some point the monsters showed up to set and they realized like, okay, this isn't going <laughs> to, now we have it's to not gonna work. Yeah. lean into the comedy or they're just kind of doing it to, you know, it's just kind of a cash grab kind of a thing. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe you, you, you can feel the ones that I'm more of a fan of. Yeah. You can kind of feel that there's like a, um, a sincerity to it. Yeah. Like you said, Mm-hmm. If you uh, if you remade Thanksgiving today on say like a, a thirty million dollar budget, uh, would you do anything differently? Uh, I mean, first of all, that would be a huge waste of money, probably. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, we did always joke about like one day we want to you know want or wanted. I guess I'll leave it open ended, but to remake <laughs> Thanksgiving with a million dollars and yeah, yeah just. Just because, and just because it would be hilarious to see the same sort of like intentions with the comedy, but also uh, just more sophisticated effects. Yeah. Um, kind of what we were going for with Thanks Killing 3, but $30 million, I don't even know. I guess you just make Thanks Killing 2 in space and just actually spend all the money to do to do that version the right way. But yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, if you were going to go back and redo it, you definitely could not try and make it a serious, scary film. I don't know. I guess you just have the the most incredible, you know, animatronic turkey puppet that you could, and mm-hmm. yeah, um, and just spend all your money to get Chris Pratt to play Darren or whatever you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one thing Aaron and I were talking about was doing a, a fan cast if it was like a major yeah. like Hollywood film. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. I guess yeah, you'd be like Chris Pratt is Johnny the Jock and <laughs> I don't even know who yeah you <laughs> I had I had Jack Black for Billy. I thought that'd be a little bit. Oh, that's fun. good. Yeah. Jack Black is yeah. good. I, I picked all family channel stars. I tried to keep it young. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah, you would need that, yeah. Yeah. That would be great. You probably could get a good cameo for Oscar the Hermit or the Sheriff. Every time I saw Oscar the Hermit, I kept thinking of Tim Robbins' character from uh, War of the Worlds, that, like, sketchy oh, guy yeah. in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is, we did, I think at some point, I don't remember if it was for the first movie or not, but I'm sure it was a joke. We never actually tried, but we joked about how Gilbert Gottfried should have been the voice of the turkey. I think because his, his Aflac duck was still on at the time. And so we were like, oh, we should just get him to do the turkey. Yeah. Um, we never tried, though. We didn't have the money to even bother trying something like that. There's the 30 million budget right there. Yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. You'd spend it on cast and, and puppets and. I guess that's how you do it. And then it would make no money back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so 10 years on, I, I believe yeah. um, it's, it's kind of the 10 year anniversary of Thanksgiving. 
Uh, um, well, e- 2000. Yeah, you're right. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. So I'm ten assuming there's no 10-year reunion? It, well, there's kind of like two anniversaries for the 10-year because we released it on our own in 2008, just selling DVDs on Amazon. And oh, okay. Like out of our closet. It wasn't on any streaming platform. It wasn't the DVD and the cover artwork that you see now online. It was just this DVD that we designed. And then this distributor, uh, we met them after the fact. And then they went ahead and released it on all the streaming platforms in a proper DVD release. So it was really, this is the 10-year anniversary from the more official release of it. Oh, I see, I see. At this point in your career, how would you say Thanks Killing has changed your life? Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's changed a lot more than I ever probably would have thought at the time that we were making it. Um, because, well, first and foremost, just because of how it has changed my mindset for making movies in general, which is just go out and, and make it happen and don't wait for somebody to green light your brilliant idea or your bad mm-hmm. idea or whatever it is if there's something that excites you or scares you or whatever it is go and make it and thanks killing was really the first time that and kevin and i have done this now time after time leading up to the headhunter um which is the same exact thing as thanks killing it's just it doesn't look it but it was made in basically the same way that i would say that's the biggest way of how it has changed my life because it has given me this you know, weird superpower to just sort of not be afraid to go out and just start shooting something that you believe in. Um, because in that movie, we just went out and shot a feature and we were kind of naive about it. We didn't really know how distribution was going to work or how we were going to actually edit together this movie and finish it. We, you know, we only were making shorts. So ever since mm-hmm. then, it's, it's, it's totally changed my outlook on that. Um, and of course, there was a huge learning experience of just making a feature film. It's so different than making a short film. It's just a bigger undertaking from the production and editing and post-production standpoint, but also the storytelling and the marketing standpoint. So <laughs> we, we taught ourselves, I taught myself Photoshop, you know, almost to be able to design some of the artwork for Thanksgiving because we were... We, with everything we've made, but Thanksgiving especially, we were super hands-on with all of that. Like the poster artwork, we designed all that stuff. All the DVD artwork we designed. The DVD menus and the special features and how all the menus are interactive and all that stuff, we designed and, and did all of that. Oh, wow. um, we were running all the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all the social media stuff. Uh, we always kept control of and edited the trailer. So we... It was like a better film school than film school. I mean, as far as the learning of all the different departments and the marketing and how important that ultimately became. Because things that we did, I think, are a reason for why it it caught on of just putting like, warning, tits in the first second, putting that on the cover. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also very unique. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did that... Sorry, did that did that scene cause you guys any trouble in the long run? Because uh, I, I read that <laughs> you filmed it without a permit. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> <laughs> totally under the radar without a permit with a porn star out in a public yeah. park topless. Um, <laughs> it was that was actually this kind of, you know, comes back to 
how many days we we took to film it because that was another day that we filmed in Los Angeles. The original opening scene in the script was like a flashback to a, a Native American sort of village and Turkey was resurrected using some black magic or something like that, but there wasn't a topless pilgrim. So we basically <laughs> made the movie without an opening scene. And then after we had cut it together, just, we were trying to come up with an idea for an opening scene. And it was actually my brother, Mike, who I give credit to. He was like, you guys should just start on a nipple. <laughs> we were like, because <laughs> he was like, yeah, just, you know, you guys are, you guys have made a thanks, a movie called thanks killing where he says nice tits, bitch and gobble, gobble. Like, just don't just go yeah. straight to the punch. Like, do not like wait around for anything. Just go right to the nipple. And that'll tell people right away in the first frame, what kind of a movie you're in for. <laughs> That's so funny. It was brilliant. I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, is there a, is there an official like canon reason why she's topless or is it literally <laughs> just because it's funny? Oh, I mean, it's just because it's funny, but I guess you could probably say the turkey had attacked her previously down the trail and had, you know, ripped the straps loose or something. But no, it's it's totally, you know, just because it's ridiculous. There's no reason for it. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. But yeah, no permit. <laughs> No permit. And Wanda, she was a trooper. She was really nice. And we mm -hmm. found her on Craigslist um, looking huh. for, we just posted an ad looking for actress or somebody who's willing to be topless. And we got <laughs> one person to respond. And that was Wanda. <laughs> and she came with a couple of friends and met us out at this public park. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't kids, you know, having picnics with their families or anything, <laughs> but it, it was kind of off a beaten path. But yeah, we didn't have a permit and, um, and we were just kind of out there filming for a half day, but it wasn't like we had some close run in with the law or anything. It was just, you know, something stupid that you would never want to do. Um, right. in, most, in most cases. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. So I wanted to, um, a, a couple of things I saw on your IMDb that I just want to touch on that I thought were really cool yeah. was, um, uh, is it true that you were an intern under Wes Craven? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, can, I mean, I was. I wasn't like his assistant or an intern directly for him. So what happened is I was, when I was in college, it was before Thanksgiving or right around the same time, actually. Mm -hmm. I, it was, I was an intern at his production company, which was called Midnight Entertainment. And that was basically just his production company that he had formed with his longtime producer, Marianne Maddalena. And they made, you know, I think Shocker was maybe the first movie she produced with him and then did People Under the Stairs and New Nightmare and everything and all the screams. Mm -hmm. So I was mostly, I was basically just the, the intern guy that when you called that office, I would answer. And then, so that was my main job is just answering phones and responding to people if they're setting up meetings and organization and that kind of stuff but then they'd also have me read scripts and do script oh, coverage cool. so for anybody that doesn't know what that is you're just reading a script and then you're writing like a couple page summary so that when the executives read the script they can look at the the summary before they actually sit down and spend hours reading the full script right it's kind of funny how that works because, you know, it's like a 19-year-old reading these horror scripts that are trying to get to Wes Craven, and I'm the gatekeeper somehow, and I have no experience wow. doing it. Uh, that is so cool. But, so that was, 
that was kind of some of my main tasks. And uh, he, but, and some of the times, like when they were all out of the office, like there was one time where they were, they had this screener that came in. It was this like, you know, DVD R, like just a silver disc with a Sharpie written on it. And they're yeah. like, hey, can, we have to go to a dinner. Can you watch this movie and tell us what you think? And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, and cool. I plugged in. It was paranormal activity. And I was like scared shitless in the office with all the lights off at night. <laughs> uh, and I had no idea what it was. Um, yeah. And it was a lot of fun, though, because there's, you know, he'd have people come in like Sean Cunningham from Friday the 13th. They'd oh, come wow. in from meetings and stuff. And so I would be the. The, you know, welcome to Midnight Entertainment. Would you like a bottle of water? Like the receptionist greeter kind of guy, but deep down nerding out because I'm a huge horror fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. no kidding. Jeez. So it was cool. And I only really talked to or met Wes once, but he was very nice. He just came up, you know, and it meant a lot to me because he didn't have to come up and talk to an intern or anything mm-hmm. like that. He wasn't mm-hmm. in the office that often. He was off shooting something or, you know, writing something at the time. I forget what, but. He, he just kind of came up and just pulled up a chair and just said, hey, so what's your story? You know, tell me about you. And we just talked for a few minutes. And, um, you know, he was from he's from Ohio like me. And so we just kind of talked about that. And I had a short film playing at a film festival, a horror one. And so he, he knew about that. And so it was really nice. And then I it was like this was one of my favorite things, too, is that he they were just about to make. The Last House on the Left remake was when I was working there. And I remember he called the office and no one else was there at the time. And I was the one that answered. He was like, hey, it's Wes. I was like, hi, uh, how's it going? (laughs) And he was like all excited because they had just got the green light from the, the studio that was financing Last House on the Left. They had just called him to tell him that they had green light that movie. And uh-huh. I was the first person that he told that to because it it was they, no one else was in the office. So you Dang, that's so sweet. Uh, uh, so it was kind of cool. It was it was a lot yeah. of fun. But also it was just kind of like, you know, you're just doing intern duties. So you kind of are, mm-hmm. you know, looking to go and do bigger and better things. But I certainly grew up a huge West Craven fan. So that was a cool little, you know, run in that I had there for a few months. That's awesome. So who were your uh um, obviously Wes Craven, but who are your uh, biggest influences as a filmmaker, would you say? Uh, I would say Paul Verhoeven, Robocop, yeah. Starship Troopers, um, was yeah. a huge one um, growing up. He was probably the first filmmaker that, like, when I was, you know, a kid and watching movies that I kind of became aware of and, like, purposely went back and sought out his old films. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But then beyond James Cameron, for sure, is high up there. I love his stuff. <laughs> Terminator. And then David Cronenberg, John Carpenter, um, David Lynch, even a little bit. I love the, like, you know, just kind of the weirdness that he brings to things. And uh-huh. and I'd say, you know, Chris Carter, even though I guess oh, yes. you wouldn't necessarily think of him first and foremost as filmmaker, but chris carter because i was obsessed with the x-files and that has inspired me so much to this day so yeah i mean those are probably the main guys that i really uh, like you know watch their stuff and then you know try and draw from (laughs) and learn from and study what advice would you give you kind of mentioned a a bit of this actually already that was really really awesome um but what advice would you give to uh other aspiring filmmakers 
Yeah, I mean, it would be probably what I already mentioned, which is simply mm-hmm. just do not wait for an opportunity to go do something that you want to do. I mean, that can apply to anything in life, but film is, there's just such a, you know, movies cost a lot of money and for a, a number of different reasons. They don't have to, but they typically do. And so there's just this difficult nature of you get really, you know, as a writer, you're supposed to get passionate about something and you're supposed to say, I believe in this and this needs to be, this is a movie that needs to exist in a movie that I want to watch. And so you write it and you pour everything into it and you get friends to read it. And then comes the most impossible part, which is finding somebody to write you a check to go and make it. And mm-hmm. that is, that's really hard. It's really hard for people that have been doing it for years and years and years, you always hear big filmmakers talk about that, um, that it's hard to get their passion projects made a lot of times. And so I always just, yeah, harken back to what I was saying about the first Thanksgiving in Headhunter as well, but just go out and do it. You don't need that much money at this day and age, mm-hmm. even though you got to be careful with credit cards and debts and loans and all that kind of stuff. But at this day and age, you can go and make a movie for anything for, for peanuts. And that also gets kind of annoying because you hear people say that all the time of like, well, I wish I was born in this generation. I could have just made a movie on my Mm -hmm. iPhone. It's like, okay, yeah, well, uh, you know, (laughs) downside is, as you guys know, (laughs) there's so much stuff on Netflix and Prime and and everything. It's impossible to to wade through stuff sometimes. But oh, yeah, it's crazy. There's so much noise now. Yeah, exactly. It's there's a lot. but yeah, just go and just go and make it. And and it's in just one step at a time, you know, don't worry so much about how it's going to come out because the reality is nobody is going to go from it's very very rare. It's like hitting the lottery for for the rare cases where you see somebody having gone from making almost no movies to making something big or getting a big Marvel movie or whatever the case might be. So mm-hmm. 99% of the rest of the film industry is chipping away at it slowly through short films, through television, web series, features, whatever it is. And it doesn't, you know, really matter at the in the end. Like I used to think that Thanksgiving or be worried that Thanksgiving would somehow hold us back because mm-hmm. it's because you watch that movie and you would never in a million years say like, oh, yeah, wow, these guys are good filmmakers. <laughs> you would. <laughs> You don't, you see it and you say, okay, yeah, the lighting's bad. The focus is bad. The acting's bad. The script is bad. You would, you know, you would, you would, you would just, that's the easy take to have on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. It's never once held me back. It's never once been a problem. It's only helped. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my advice really is just, you know, go in and start shooting something and don't. Mm -hmm. Don't wait, because if you stood around waiting for somebody, it, you know, you're going to spend years, years of your life doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, there's a million other things I could say, but that's boiled down, you know, really the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I love it, Jordan. That is such great advice. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I know a lot of people need to hear that for sure. Um, Well, the floor is yours. Is there anything you'd like to promote? And obviously, where can people watch The Headhunter? You can find it anywhere, really. Um, it's on all the streaming platforms. Well, not the the Netflixes or anything like that. There's going to be some kind of a deal for one of those um, sooner than later. Awesome. But DVD you can find on Amazon, or you could get it on Amazon Prime, Netflix, Vudu. You 
go to the Microsoft store if you have an Xbox or PlayStation, whatever. You can find it pretty much anywhere that you would rent a movie. Nowadays, you can find The Headhunter. It's it's wide release. Well, awesome, Jordan. Well, thank you so much for your time, yeah. man. We really appreciate you taking the time to chat Thanksgiving with us and films. And and uh, actually, I was going to get you to recommend some horror films, but I just realized that this is airing way after Halloween. So, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what, you know, for, I, well, you know what I actually watched the other night that I, I liked a lot is on Netflix, In the Tall Grass, a mm, Stephen King yeah. movie. I liked that. And Autopsy of Jane Doe has been one of my favorite horror movies of the past couple years. Um, yeah. And uh, what else? I'm trying to think of anything else that uh, those are the two that come to mind uh, right away. But I pretty much see everything and I'm sure I'd think of a bunch of others. But Awesome. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks, Jordan. I hope we get to see more turkey one day. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you never know. You never know. Hope we get a big budget turkey movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. A $30 million turkey, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. One million and then 29 million goes to getting Gilbert Godfrey to voice it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> exactly. Awesome, Jordan. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys so much. Anytime, let me know. I'm happy to talk about Thanksgiving 3 or anything else. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. We'll take care and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Hi, thank you. So we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the conversation. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's our first interview, and uh, we're pretty nervous. And I hope that my nervous laughing didn't <laughs> get too annoying throughout. Yeah. I hope the call quality was okay. I, you know, obviously, yeah. as we do more things like this, we'll get more refined in the way we we'll do things. Tighten but it up. Tighten it up. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, um, gosh, uh, it was such a great time to actually chat mm-hmm. about this film and. Um, it really lended to, to my perspective on a lot yeah. of things, Aaron. You know, there's so much that we uh, take for granted when we sit down in the theater to watch a film. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the things he jumped, that jumped out at me uh, as we talked was, you know, that idea of having to get your films financed, that even if you have like mm-hmm. the best idea in the world, you still have to yeah. get somebody to try to pay for it. And even the greatest filmmakers in the world still have to overcome that hurdle. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's so nuts how, like, an idea for a film could be like a, a little seed, you know? Yeah. But by the time that thing's fully grown and people are seeing it in the theaters, I just feel like a thousand different things have happened to it. A thousand different voices have gone into it, you know, budget constraints. And, like, that whole side of things, um, mm-hmm. it just sounds like such a nightmarish world. And I think that as moviegoers, we tend to not think about that kind of stuff when we just start crapping on films. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I liked uh, that he said in an interview too, was that they, they got like loopier and more senile towards the end. And I, yeah. I to, to me, I think that just added uh, so much to this movie to make it over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, cause yeah, I, I think that was one of the things that made this movie so successful as it was. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree that 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 sequence when the turkey answers the door and he's wearing the mm-hmm. mask of the skin of the dad is just that moment when you know that the movie's just off the rails and anything is possible. Yeah, <laughs> I just I got such a kick out of that scene, you know. Yeah, and just a look on everyone's faces as they're trying to act around this without cracking up and. Yeah. Well, Aaron, as we pull this train into the station, mm-hmm. um, 
Thanks Killing is available on streaming. Thanks Killing 3, yeah. which is the sequel, is also available. And do yourself a favor and watch The Headhunter. That's yeah. uh, that's Jordan and Kevin's newest film. And uh, yeah, honestly, um, I can't wait to see what he does next. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get more, uh, more turkey. <laughs> Hopefully. Special thanks to Jordan, obviously, for being on our on mm-hmm. our podcast here. We're so humbled and thankful that uh, you would take time out of your day and your busy schedule to be on our little podcast. And uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to all our American mm-hmm. friends. Uh, regardless how you feel about Thanksgiving, uh, we hope you have a great one. And that uh, yeah, you get to eat some good food and spend some time mm-hmm. with the ones you love. Awesome, awesome. If you like what you're hearing, um, don't forget to subscribe and to give us a rating. Uh, it really helps us out, helps us uh, appear on the charts and uh, reach mm-hmm. more people. So thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Where are you going? It's turkey time. Huh?